Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey, everybody. Let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. You'll never believe it. I mean, I hardly could. Kohl's has epic deals right now, and they're going to make for an epic 4th of July. I got the cutest $6.99 Americana tees, $19.99 tech gear shorts for me, and Toastmaster kitchen gadgets for less than 10 bucks. I even got Kohl's cash and picked up my order in less than an hour. So yeah, cue the fireworks, because these savings are definitely worth celebrating. Select style sale ends July 4th. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details. Welcome to the main event, Mark's Podcast. I am lifelong wrestling fan, figure collector, and former radio guy, Troy. And with me, as always, is the co-host of this show. He is the main event collector in the WWE Walking Wrestling Encyclopedia. He is the crowbar to my David Flair. He's Greg. What's up, Greg? <laughs> What's up? At least I got the better one. I mean, yeah. I, I Well... Hey, Crowbar well, least, wasn't uh, bad. David Stacey Flair Keebler. was a piece of crap. He was horrible, so I'm good. <laughs> yeah, David Flair did suck all the ass. But, hey, he was former U.S. champ, man. You show some respect. Sure. That's one of them cases of, like, nepotism just, uh, you know, being right there in your face. <laughs> Talking about WCW in the year 2000. This was the start of the new millennium, and uh, a hell of a way to kick it off, man. Did you? You watched this when it was, like, on live? Yeah. What did you think at the time? I don't remember what I thought. I did know that the Royal Rumble a few weeks later was going to be 10,000 times better. And, spoiler, it was. Yeah, which we're going to be talking about next week, by the way. So, if you want a good contrast of, you know, what one company was doing in the same exact month as the other one that would, uh, you know, die in about a year, then, yeah, there you go. This show was... uh something sold out usually was uh a crap pile so would you consider this the best of the worst or was there like a better sold out i mean yeah i guess this would be the best of the worst there are a few moments i mean it's not exactly so yeah it's not, not exactly high praise but like i said sold out usually brought about not only the beginning of the calendar year for wcw but 
just a lot of crap. I don't know. That's one of them I told you. Anytime they it's were crap. going up against one of the big... Anytime they were going up against one of the big WWF pay-per-views, it seemed like they almost just threw in the towel and forfeited. They were like, yeah, we're just going to put on a crap pay-per-view this month, not even try. <laughs> like, oh, they got Royal Rumble. Um, You know what? Sold out. Those were... So they uh, did with yeah. uh, WrestleMania and Uncensored, so... Yep, WrestleMania it's... Uncensored. What was SummerSlam and uh, Road Wild, right? Road Wild, and then eventually it was uh, New Blood Rising. Man, you want to... Look, we're not really doing much here with Road Wild, all right? We need to replace it. Let's go with New Blood Rising. Yeah, that'll show them. Why do you say that jokingly? You know what? I bet that was like a dagger to the heart of uh, SummerSlam 2000, wasn't it? <laughs> I think that was like an amazing show, too. We are uh, going to take our first break of the podcast. When we come back, what we do on this year's show is we cover the news and notes of the time of the show we're actually covering. So we're going to do that uh, when we come back. We're going to travel back to January of 2000 and talk about the crap show that was going on down in uh, Atlanta. Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks pod on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks and at Main Event Collector. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, news and notes time. <sighs> all right, are you ready to dive into all that is WCW here with the news? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, talk about foreshadowing. Go ahead. Well, like I said before, as Tony Schiavone called them, uh, they were a coffin on roller skates at this point. They were dead, but they were just being, like, shoved down the road a little bit. <laughs> I believe I read one time that the 2000 was the only year they never won a ratings battle. Yeah, or I, I guess I guess 2001 too, but no one counts that because there's only three months. So, right. I think if it's true, the last one they won was January '99, the Finger Poke of Doom. And uh, that was the last one they won. Huh. Yeah, I'd have to do some research on that, but that sounds accurate. Uh, you you were talking about a way a hell of a way to start the millennium. Well, how about a hell of a way to end the millennium? Just a couple of days before it sold out, Bret Hart's doctor diagnosed his severe migraines and inability to focus as a severe concussion, and uh, yeah. he not only wouldn't clear Bret Hart to wrestle, but refused to even clear him to fly or exercise. The concussion is believed to have happened after Goldberg hit Hart with an extremely hard kick during their Starcade match, and he also hit his head on the ground outside the ring during the ring post figure four spot. Ah, man. Conveniently, people forget that, though. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a, definitely a combo, but Hart finished the match and continued working TV for the next week or two after, although he didn't feel like himself while doing it and didn't realize how bad his concussion was. So naturally, this left the sold-out pay-per-view without a main event three days before it was set to air. And <laughs> spoiler, they would announce it to open the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they kept playing up on our pregame show. Like, nobody watched that crap. 
I'm still trying to figure out what the pregame show was. I guess it was just... Was it on TV or pay-per-view? I forget, honestly. It, it had to have been, like, some some special on TNT, I would assume. I know but... I know. back in the day, a couple of times, they used WCW main event as a lead-in. Now, going right. back and thinking about it, it was clearly taped a long time ahead of time. Because it was taking place in, like, MGM Grand, where they usually filmed. And, like, the pay-per-view was, like, somewhere else. Right. Yeah, I I don't know what it was here, man, but I kept seeing clips from the pregame show, and I was like, I didn't even know you guys had one of these. I guess nowadays, like, it'd easily be YouTube or Facebook or something, right? Yeah. And they had WCW.com back then, but it wasn't like, I mean, they didn't put, like, To my knowledge, nothing streamed back then. Like, I didn't even know what the hell streaming was until I first saw Netflix sans DVD. So. Right, yeah. Like, that was my first foray into streaming, honestly. Yeah, I mean, people uploaded videos and stuff, but it wasn't anything live, because, uh, you know, you had YouTube after a while, but that wasn't, you know, that was not the YouTube we know today. But, Side uh, note on that, Bischoff said that if they had YouTube and all that stuff back then, he thinks that we said he'd still be going. Oh, yeah, well, because, I mean, he said that the whole reason that Fusion Media didn't want to buy WCW after a while, was because, and they just dropped out, was because TNT canceled Nitro. Yeah. He said without the TV deal on TNT, they weren't interested. There was, a, like, a rumor that he was negotiating with, of all places, FX to host Nitro. That's that's become a thing with every wrestling company. I feel like every wrestling company is negotiated with FX. Raw was when it went to Spike TV. Oh, really? Uh, Impact was, you know, TNA was when they before they got the Spike TV deal. And Ring of Honor was recently years ago when before they got the uh, Sinclair deal. Wow, I did not know that. The, but the now odd... FX is, like, huge at, like, you know, I know people don't take this seriously. I don't either. But, like, it's huge at, like, Emmy Awards and stuff. So now it's, like, a legit network. So now it probably yeah. wouldn't even be possible. Because I don't, to my knowledge, I don't think uh, AEW ever teased it. Yeah, so it's, it's a weird show, to, or a weird thing to think about, though, with, you know, the weird almost history of FX with pro wrestling. <laughs> but yeah, It's I guess... weird when you, in a sense that it's an almost history with, like, five different companies. That's the funny part to me. <laughs> I know. It's like, we almost got it, but it's almost like FX was nothing more than a bargaining chip for all you know what I, I, You know what I think about when um, Bruce Pritchard said back in the day when they were doing stuff, were like, uh, playing stuff, Vince is like, well, what about Sid? I imagine that every single wrestling company trying to get on TV, well, what about FX? <laughs> Which they're <is> like, <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. But yeah, so, I mean... That, that's another, you know, a what if scenario to talk about for another day. But the thing with Bret Hart, though, it's just I obviously the kick was the main one. And I think honestly, because he did that figure four spot so many times, I think the reason he masked it up and landed on his head with that one is probably because he was so messed up from the kick that he wasn't like, you know, he was probably like foggy. I mean, I don't know for sure, but, you know, I, I'm assuming, because like I said, he did it a million times and didn't land on his head, so, yeah, uh, but... I feel like Goldberg did that kick a million times, too. I know, the like, one... People, person people act like, up. you know, he just broke, whipped it out for no freaking reason. Kind of like Owen Hart with the pile driver on Austin. It's like... Right, yeah. You no, know, it, it was one of his repertoire. It's in his repertoire, so... I'm not defending it or anything, I'm just saying, like, wasn't like, oh, whatever, I'm just gonna whip this out for, for fun. <laughs> Yeah, right. I know. And it was and it was a kick. It wasn't like a, you know, a generally dangerous move or something. 
Uh, but, you know, another big injury we got to talk about, nowhere near as severe, but it was still, you know, it, it affected the pay-per-view. Uh, the very next day, Jeff Jarrett contacted WCW officials with a similar problem. He had suffered a concussion during the match on Nitro earlier in the week when Jimmy Snuka <laughs> splashed him from the top of the cage, and his doctors also ordered him not to fly or to wrestle. That left the show without its semi-main event, which was going to be Jarrett versus Benoit in a triple gimmick match. Basically a three stages of hell gimmick because of, you know, they have to do everything WWE does. Well, to be fair, this was spread out over the night, though. Yeah. So it I was mean, a little bit different. That is original, and we do get it. <laughs> Not with these people. Uh, but this was just, I don't know, we'll, we'll get the other stuff about that later on. Also, but... I just, I just... It's not funny at all, but not only ha-ha funny, but kind of funny, ironically, that in 2000, Jimmy Snuka's injuring people. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Just... The pay-per-view was already expected to do one of the lowest buy rates in WCW history, and now it was without the top two matches. <sighs> That's so WCW. Yeah, I mean, and this wasn't. Well, oh, I haven't, let me retract that because no, they got hurt. Yeah, it wasn't really a thing they did. Yeah, I was gonna say. I'm sure I can use that for another thing in this podcast, so I'll save it. I'll retract that. <laughs> right, it's like hey, it gets worse. Uh, yeah, this was just dumb freaking luck, man. Why are you putting Jimmy Snuka in the ring at his age? But well, I can't even say that because WWE did. Yeah, he went to perform WrestleMania in 20. 2009, so nine years later, he still had another match, so there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Oh, well, I, another yeah. thing, though, too, it's, um, it was a Legends thing, so, you know. I, I know, he was he was doing stuff against, like, Legends or whatever, where oh, taking him on different match types. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't I I never got Jarrett's gimmicks back in the day. It's just like, what, like, what are like you doing? beating up like, old people. Yeah. All right. Well, he even did that in WWE. I mean, didn't uh, Mae Young and Moolah take that's uh, where it guitar started, shots? Yeah. <laughs> and Russo was like, "Bro, brilliant, bro. We're gonna have you beat up old people." My, my dad used to joke about that. He goes, "Here comes Jared. The only person who can beat up is old ladies." And <laughs> <laughs> my dad used to say the same stuff about Randy Orton. He was like, oh, "Is he gonna spit in an old guy's face again?" Whoop de doo. Right. Big man. He, it, yeah. Yeah, he was like, "Who's a uh, what? What old geezer is he gonna dig up this week to spit on?" I was like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> you know how uh, Mike I, I off, picked on Mike off Snake, by the way, in his worst looking time ever. Oh my gosh, <laughs> like, he looks pretty good <laughs> now, know. but man, when he got that RKO, that was oh man, was right? <laughs> yeah, for multiple reasons. You remember uh, Mike Austin was a career killer. They should have yeah. just called Jeff. They should have just called uh, Jeff Jarrett uh, the life ender. <laughs> <laughs> He's punching uh, tickets but, for God, dude. Leave him alone. Yeah, right. Kill them all. Let God sort them out. Now, Holy crap. Speaking of, you said that. <laughs> speaking of, uh, oh my God. of uh, bro, <laughs> we got we got to talk about this one, man. This has been a story for a long time, but we got to talk about it, man. Vince Russo wanted to do a battle royal that sold out with Tank Abbott coming out and surprise champion. That was a lot of people event? in the company. Yes, that's why I said I was texting. I said a lot of okay. stuff happened around. Not gonna lie, um, <laughs> I didn't know it was this event. I for some reason I thought it was Mayhem, 
Well, they had a they had a um a vacant title going into Mayhem too. Um, so that's why I thought it was Mayhem. Okay, which is only a I couple can, months no, earlier. I, by the I way. can totally. Yeah, well, I can forgive you thinking any of that because they had the, a vacant title more than they had a champion during this yeah, era. Right. So vacant, it was like a sixteen-time world champion by the time we were <laughs> we were done with WCW. <sighs> It's, but, it's too bad but, they didn't man. go with Tank on this one because, man, he has a barn burner of a match on this event. So, Right. Yeah, we got to talk about that. And we'll but, get to that. Uh, <laughs> well, a lot of people within the company have been unhappy with Russo's booking. Uh, we, no! That's, that's <laughs> Which a is, surprise of the century. I, Holy crap. Just knocked me over with a feather. <laughs> but... Which is clearly not turning things around, but the Tank Abbott idea was the last straw for many. People were also upset about Ed Ferrara a.k.a. Oklahoma, winning the Cruiserweight title, and David Flair slash Crowbar becoming the tag team champions, both of which uh, were decisions that... Sorry, go, go ahead. I was going to say, let's, oh. hold on, we're glossing over something. He didn't win the title yet. We'll get to that. Yeah, stole it. Yeah, well. But uh, both of which were decisions that most everyone else in the company was against. I wonder why. Uh, Bill Bush, not the same Bush that makes the beer, uh, has been has been second-guessing his decision to that. hire... <laughs> uh, has been second-guessing his decision to hire Russo for weeks, while Kevin Sullivan has been openly pushing for the booking position himself. And that's going to lead into our next story we'll get into here in a minute. Because he's so uh, much better. Brother, we gotta book heat. Nothing but heat, brother. What do you want more, that Kevin Boston Sullivan. accent or that, that damn New York accent? Pick your poison. <laughs> yeah, right. I got a line on the socks. <laughs> but uh, I bet he's done some lines I, in his day. Anyways. <laughs> I can I, I can see that in the booking meeting where he's like, bro, it, Tank Abbott will be the champion, bro. Hey, Vinny, don't be a smatty pants. All right. It should be Jerry Flynn. <laughs> oh, my God. That might be worse. Yeah, no, uh, it wouldn't. At least Flynn was, you know, he had, he had, was established, good or not. <laughs> But Bush decided to put together a new booking committee because, you know, those have historically done well, so that Russo's ideas would be filtered by people who have more, you know, sense. Similar to how McMahon acted as Russo's filter in the WWF. Uh, it all came to a head on Friday, two days before the pay-per-view, with Russo being removed from his position of total authority, but he was asked to stay on as a member of the committee, which would have also included Sullivan, J.J. Dillon, Terry Taylor and Kevin Nash, among others. That's a Gotta motley have Terry crew. Taylor on there so we can tell uh, Uncle Dave everything. Uncle, yeah. Hey Dave, I heard he he wants to set somebody on fire and he's gone forever, bro. Uh, okay, so what I heard I mean, is he they're planning on actual death on pay per view. I'm going with that. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, Russo did not decline the offer, but he was still weighing his options, which were none, by the way. But as of press time, he said to be le- <laughs> right. But as of press time, he said to be leaning towards leaving the company rather than taking a reduced role. Uh, spoiler: He did leave the company for a couple of months, and then they would bring him back, only to be babysat by Eric Bischoff, who at that point was apparently ballless. <laughs> and I say that because I mean he's, and I get where he was coming from, but seriously, because he said his whole. Conrad had asked Eric Bischoff multiple times. He's like, why didn't you stop him? 
And he's like, well, I was trying to get along and, you know, play nice and I didn't want to crap on everything. It's like, why? You could have at least stopped the bleeding a little bit. But no, you're just like, eh, let him did, do what he does. Did he at least say he was planning his hostile takeover of the company? I mean, great. Yeah, I'd buy that. Yeah, he's, he, he, at the time, he like had no illusions of grandeur or whatever. It just, I don't know. He just, I think he kind of gave up at that point. He was like, ah, I was just playing along to get along. And it's like, why? Because of you not speaking up, we have no more WCW. I mean, among other things, but. <sighs> you could be tell fair, that Bischoff, was dying before Russo came in. He was just a dead it man. Was. This is the last story we got here. On Saturday before the pay-per-view, a group of wrestlers, which included Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, Perry Saturn, Shane Douglas, Dean Malenko, Conan, Juventud Guerrera, Rey Mysterio, and Billy Kidman. Again, that's a motley crew. Uh, all, all got together as a group and went to Bill Bush to ask for Sullivan to be removed from the booking committee for or for WCW to release all of them from their contracts. This put Bush in a tough spot, since he had to ju had just given the job to Sullivan, and if he gave in to the wrestlers' mutiny, it would basically prove that the inmates are running the asylum. Bush asked for a week to think it over. I wonder what would happen there. Stay tuned. Yeah. At, at the end of the pay-per-view, well, at the end of the review here, I have a uh, postpartum story that is a continuation oh, of this. Oh, God, horrible word oh, usage. My gosh. Hey, you did it, not me. <sighs> but yeah, we're going to get into a story about uh, the continuation of this and the fallout from Sold Out 2000. But uh, right now, I think it's about time to hit our, our next break. And we're going to get into... Say what? Nothing, nothing. <laughs> we're going to hit our next break, and we're going to come back with WCW Sold Out 2000. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. At Total Wine & More, we know what pairs perfectly with summer. Go ahead, test us. What goes best with a beach trip? This crisp rosé. A pool party? Try these craft beers. Oh, you're good. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine & More. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. Okay, WCW sold out 2000. It's no longer NWO sold out. I mean, it hasn't been for a couple of years, but I just like how, like, the original concept of this was, oh, it's going to be an NWO exclusive pay-per-view. That's going to be the whole theme, and now it's just a show. I mean, don't get me wrong, the NWO concept sucked, but it, I, I don't know. I feel like they could have done better. I mean, we just talked about DX in your house, and that was DX-themed. But it's not like DX took over the show and, you know, had a, a contest over which one of these unattractive ladies is the hottest while our owner makes out with them. Holy crap. 
hey, man, that could have worked for DX. <laughs> but anyway, the show took place on January 16th, 2000 at, at the First Star Center in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, uh, the, the way they were talking about it, I think that's what became the U.S. Bank Arena, and, and now well, I think 14, it's fourteen thousand people. So, I yeah, four, fourteen thousand one hundred thirty-two people in attendance. Uh, I think that's a it's probably close to a sellout, if not a sellout. It's not a very big venue, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't know it could hold that many people <laughs> in that arena. So, I'll be honest, I didn't know WCW uh, could draw that many people in the arena later, but. In- 2000? Yeah, I know, right? I was like, because I saw that attendance number, I was like, whoa! Like, what? <laughs> um, I was like, but I guess everybody was showing up to see Brett and Sid? Yeah, I ass- Yeah, I was going to say, I assume they bought these tickets before, you know, these weren't walk-ups, you know, I assume they bought these tickets with the original printed card. So, I don't know. I, I just looked it up, by the way. It is it. Uh, it was originally in '97. It was known as the Crown. In '99, it changed to First Star Center. Um, and in 2002, it became the U.S. Bank Arena, and now it is the Heritage Bank Center. What place? There for a while. Who plays there? The Cincinnati Cyclones of the ECHL. So minor so league no, hockey. So nobody. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pay-per-view buy rate for this show uh, was uh, .26, which amounted to 95,000 buys, which for WCW 2000 is respectable. I mean, it's it's not nowhere near what it would be by the end of the year. I'm just going to say that. But this was... <laughs> Go see that last sec- review we did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. That, that was, was what? Show, what did right? I say? Yeah, 50,000 yeah, 50, buys for uh, Starcade. Yeah, Still beat TNA. Yeah. What in what year? <laughs> Every year. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, they, never did above, they never did above ten, apparently. Except for when Seriously? Sting debuted, it was at like seventy-five. Wow, that's nuts. But this is the second WCW pay-per-view we've reviewed for the year two thousand. That Sting is on the poster and he's not on the show. Yeah, the that was one, one of my first notes, actually. <laughs> Yeah, his, if anybody goes and looks at this, I mean, there's two different, there's the VHS box cover, and then there's the poster, and it's like two different pictures. But the one, especially the one you see on the WWE Network, it's Sting's face, front and center. He's not, not even on the card. Like, like, that F. I forget where he's at right now. <laughs> not here. <laughs> and then at Starcade, he's on the cover art for Starcade, and he's not on Starcade. Like, why did they keep doing this? Why would you have you can... staying on Starcade, though, to be fair? Oh, why not? Yeah, well, it's, uh, that'd be stupid. The franchise of WCW on your biggest show of the year? No, Shane Douglas was on it. Shut up. Well, I can't even say he was the franchise of ECW. He was just the franchise. So I guess that's for everything. I don't know. Uh, but we start off with footage of Bret Hart being concussed at Starcade by Goldberg, and then... They claim that Jarrett was concussed by Chris Benoit hitting a flying headbutt off the cage. But we later found out it was from Jimmy Snuka jumping on his ass off the cage. So, Man. I mean, two things. Number one, yeah, I'd probably go with Benoit, too. And two, right. either way, I'm not going to say it. 
Either way, he was concussed by a guy who was the focal point of an episode of Dark Side of the Ring. We'll there say that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll clean it up. None of this is funny, uh, by the way. You, know, you just No, away. it's horrible. I know, it's horrible. Uh, but the, the thing with Benoit, they probably went with Benoit because they were like, well, we could probably make an angle out of this. Spoiler. That makes more sense. I mean, Jimmy Snuka <laughs> was there for, like, what, that match? Yeah, he was he was going forever, bro, after this. So, uh, Kidman, by the way, will not have one, not two, but three matches against members of the Revolution and what they are calling Triple Threat Theater. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, two, against, I like, two against the Revolution, but, you know, right. not to get ahead. Right, yeah. <laughs> I like how they're like... Well, this was going to be Benoit and Jarrett. We got to replace Benoit and Jarrett. Who, who do you throw in there? Billy F. and Kidman. Not only that, I, but I, three other opponents. Right. Yeah. Like, whatever. I. It's stupid. I would have been fine with Kidman versus, his, like, his first opponent here, Malenko. Or one of these matches Kidman was good, by the way. Saturn. I'm with you. I would have been on. I would have been with you on that. Yeah, and his third opponent, I was like, why? But we'll get there's to a that. there's a good reason for that actually. Well, we'll have to talk about it. But this first match is Billy Kidman versus Dean Malenko, and it, it, all these three matches, by the way, have stipulations brawl. And all of them are Bischoff's weird. head was exploding. <laughs> right. Uh, I didn't realize all of this. Like so many things that we've laughed at and crapped on throughout the years were on this show. This was one of them. Billy Kidman versus Dean Malenko, which, you know, you see that on paper and you're like, my God, it's going to be a barn burner. But it is a catch-as-catch-can match, which means that if you go, you can't come off the top rope and you can't leave the ring. If you so do one of those things. Yeah, basically. Uh, if you do one of those things, you're disqualified and you lose. Keep that in mind. That is why this match is two and a half minutes long. Uh, Malenko randomly rolls out of the ring, forgetting the rules, and he loses. <laughs> Uncle Dave gave this negative one star. I gave it one star. What say you? I gave it one star, and my note was, dumb match, dumb rules, horrible, and I've never said this about a Dean Malenko match in my life. Yeah, this was awful. After the match, Malenko, Kidman, and the referee all argue with each other. I like how the referee, the referee is Charles Robinson, and, and he's like, I, he's basically telling him, I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> These are the rules. Like, you want me to lose every shred of credibility that we have? Which they already had, but, you know. And Kidman was like, come on, why, restart the match. I can't figure out why Malenko's on his way out. Yeah, right. I'm baffled. It's obvious that production is all out of sorts, and Tony Schiavone is getting pretty pissed about this because his format is off. Okay, so I think I I'm just gonna sum that up now because I think I put that for like four matches here. I'm like, does Shivani know what the hell is going on? Then I had another Shivani error. Wow, he doesn't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> I must have missed I don't that. I think it's hit because he, yeah, because he was talk, talking about uh oh, because he was saying he's like uh well Scott Hudson is standing by with Vampiro, and then there's like this long pause and they start talking and they're like uh oh, well yeah. I, I guess yeah, we're gonna go, he's like yeah, I we're guess gonna... we're gonna send it to uh, this footage <laughs> and then and then Scott Hudson is standing by with Vampiro. <laughs> And then, and then the promo gets then the promo gets interrupted, so he threw it for no reason. <laughs> yep, this this whole thing, like you could tell, he was getting pissed, and he talked about it on his show. He was like, "The formats were off. We never knew what the f was going on. I was just trying to stay above water." So poor guy. 
But yeah, so I they think he gets enough credit by the switched. way for not having a heart attack on air for this company. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he said there were days during the year 2000. He said he would drive to the uh, to whatever the arena was and sit in his car for like a good 30 minutes just debating whether or not he wanted to walk in and quit, <laughs> drive home or just do his job. I was going to say debating whether or not to drink the booze and swallow the pills, but you know that too. <laughs> right. Well, uh, anyway, they flipped to a video oh, package by the way, of David Flair. I don't we don't say this enough. I feel like you and I are the only people on this planet that like that guy. But whatever. I don't get it. I mean, it seems like people are starting to like him now that he's back in uh, AEW, but I don't know. Uh, we see a video package of David Flair, Crowbar, and Daphne getting together and just flat out being nuts. So, and I remember you telling me about this, but I had forgotten it until I saw it. I'm like, oh, that's right. They randomly met Crowbar at a gas station. <laughs> And he was now like, that oh, has WWE 1995 written all over it. Yeah. And they're like, what's your name? He's like, people call me Crowbar. And it's like, do they, though? <laughs> like, aren't, aren't you that job guy, Devin Storm? <laughs> <laughs> but now we go to Scott Hudson standing by with Vampiro. Scott Hudson, by the way, I'm like, why did you dress this way? He's wearing a suit up top and then blue jeans down below. And so, like... Okay, I've seen newscasters do that, but they know for a fact they will not be filmed from the waist down. Him, he's all on camera. So it just looks like he only gave half an F. Okay, what, what about, what about everything stuff. we just said, though? Do you blame the guy? Yeah, I guess not. But uh, he uh, he asked Vampiro if uh, Vamp can take on both Flair and uh, Crowbar by himself. After only a couple of seconds into the promo, Masahiro Chono randomly bursts in, rips the mic away, and he starts yelling in Japanese. And then him and Vampiro get into an argument, and then we flip to something else. And this is Masahiro Chono, by the way. I thought they were going to like fight. Yeah, they start like fist bump or uh, chest bumping and whatever. And I'm like, the hell's going on? This is Masahiro Chono's last appearance in WCW, by the way. This goes nowhere. Well, maybe he saw this card. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he told New Japan about it, and they're like, uh, yeah, we'll buy you a ticket back home. We're coming up on, uh, on Hubuntu taking the title from Jushin uh, Thunder Liger, by the way. My so God. I'm pretty sure with that, combined with how horrible this was, that was the death knell for that. Why wouldn't they want the greatest rest at that time to be their junior heavyweight champion? No, sure. not the- No, no. <laughs> People don't get the joke. Uncle Dave said that uh, Juventud Guerrero was the greatest wrestler in the world at no, the year 1999. That's the sad part. It wasn't a joke. He said this. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I just like no. Yeah, he was he was good, but no. Uh, me and Gene Okerlund is standing by with Daphne, David Flair, and Crowbar, who cut some nutty promo about destroying Vampiro. Blah. This was a Russoism, by the way. We get a three-way dance between Vampiro and two partners, David Flair and Crowbar, because partners gotta fight. Good lord. Uh, the match went for ten and a half minutes, by the way. Too Mike long. Tenet, yeah, you don't say. Uh, Mike Tanay points out someone with a sign that says, David Flair is my idol. And Bobby Heenan <laughs> says, that, and Bobby Heenan says, that man's also wearing no pants. <laughs> like, <laughs> What? <laughs> 
<laughs> Dude, that one Random. made me spit up everything. Like, I was drinking water watching. <laughs> it's like... Combine that, with, I'm like, <laughs> combine that, not to get ahead, but combine that with what Shane Douglas says later. Oh my god. During this match, by the way, uh, Bobby Heenan, he was like setting up something, and the other guys just were not picking it up. Because he was, he said something about, uh, I think Daffy's pretty attractive. And like, like nothing. He's like, I say, he's like, hey guys, I said I think Daphne's pretty attractive. He's like, well, guess I'm the only one. <laughs> and then he just moves on. Because they're like completely ignoring him. I'm like, what the? Like, he was clearly setting up something. I don't know what it was, but, like, why was Shivani and Tanae just like, nope, ignore him, leave maybe him alone? It the, maybe it was that bad, they're like, we're not doing this. Yeah, maybe maybe he had the joke written down, like, what, you know, like I told you that one week where uh, uh, JR was like, oh, I saw that one coming, and Paulie was like, well, yeah, I got it written down right in front of me. <laughs> so maybe he had it written down, and they were like, yeah, we're not saying that. David and Crowbar work together for a while and then predictably start fighting, but Vampiro gets the advantage again when David starts kissing Daphne randomly in the middle of the match for no reason. <sighs> Vamp ends up winning with the nail in the coffin. Uncle Dave gave this one and a fourth star. For what it was, I gave it two stars. What say you? I, I gave it two as well. There were a couple of moments I actually liked. And one of my I, notes, by the way, was, oh my god, David Flair had a weird following. <laughs> right? I'm like, who liked this guy, and why? They were, like, popping for him, man. Yeah, and I don't know. He was lucky, man. He goes from, uh, he, he gets uh, Daphne and Stacy Keebler. He must inherited something from the old man. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, I mean, I always thought Vampiro was a pretty good wrestler, and, and Crowbar was not bad either. So. Somebody play my music the hell that's the only thing you remember from vampiro that's all i will remember now by the way bobby heenan kept calling him vampiro and they were like well that's vampiro to you and I he's think like that was a whatever. play on um something oklahoma well that ferrari did as oklahoma on the mic he kept calling him vampiro 12 times mimicking J jim ross so that's where that comes from oh good lord well there was also the you remember uh sting calling him vampiro i do <laughs> that yeah. one time he was like, what what he was he was like in Vampiro, we'll save the head games for later. And it's like yeah. And then they never got back to that feud. I, not that I you know, I don't think anybody gave a damn, but speaking of nobody giving a damn, Buff Bagwell seen walking into the building wearing all denim. <laughs> Sorry. Uh had I it's not a podcast about WCW unless I bury Buff Bagwell at least once. Isn't it weird I didn't hate him? I didn't hate him at the time. I was kind of indifferent to him. I was like, oh, he's the big, you know, the big tan guy that's in the NWO. That could clearly headline Starcade. Oh, well, hell yeah. The impeccable freaking tan and that, that thick southern accent. And he had the backing of his mama. And uh, he had the stuff. Well, of course. Mean Gene Oakland is backstage. He interviews the Mama Lukes. And he What'd you say about my mom? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's like I'm with the Mamalukes, and Tony Marinara is like, "What do you say about my mother?" <laughs> I don't know why that fought me so damn hard. <laughs> so effing stupid. I'm like, uh, for those that don't know, uh, Tony Marinara is Tony Mamaluke. They, oh, I don't know if you knew this, but they used to call them the Mamalukes, and they would get pissed and say, "We're not Mamalukes. That's a racist term. You call us the Paisans." I guess they had dropped that by now. Uh, uh. 
how is Mama Luke racist and Paisan is I fine. don't know. That's what they were going with, though. <laughs> I mean, Paisan isn't racist or anything like that, but Mama Luke is a name. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, but, but Marinara is okay. <sighs> anyway, Marinara says he's got some business to take care of, and he leaves. Disco Inferno is clearly being held against his will in this group. <sighs> This doesn't this all end with him dumping a, a thing of marinara sauce on Tony Marinara? Yes. Ha <laughs> ha! God dang it, pal! Good crap! How come this guy was never in WWE? I I always loved <laughs> well when somebody asked uh, Jim Cornette about. Uh, Disco's booking prowess, and he said he shouldn't be allowed to book a fart after a meal at Taco Bell. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of crap, uh, we get Ron and Don Harris up next, taking on the Mamalukes, which is Johnny Stamboli and Big Vito with Disco Inferno in their corner. This went for nine and a half minutes. My first question here is, how do Ron and Don Harris continually keep employed? I mean, they're not bad in the ring. And they're big, tough-looking, whatever, but it's just, I don't think anybody's ever cared about them. They're just there. I mean, they're Brian Adams' friends for his group. I'm assuming uh, Uncle Zeb, or what was his name? Zeb Coulter. Liked him, he managed him. And then the rest, I'm going to say Jeff Jarrett had a hand. (laughs) Yeah, I I assume they were friends with um, uh, Vince Russo. So, I mean, because they were in WWF with him, they were in WCW with him, they were in TNA with him, so, I don't know. I mean, that was Jerry but, and Patrick, man, Creative Control, man, that's awesome. Was that before or after this? That was before, but the next night on Nitro, they're going to be wearing suits again, looking like that, as, uh, well, spoiler, as Nash's new security or something like that. So. Yeah. Ah, good grief. So not only, yeah, and then point, late, not only the people keep them around, but they kept doing stuff with them. Well, and then later this year, yeah, they'd be Big Ron and Heavy D, the Harris boys, with uh, Jeff Jarrett. So, whatever. Anyway, uh, I said it's always nice to see Relic, which of course is killer spelled backwards, before he was Relic. Can you imagine that? You were Relic and the guy that wore the dress against the Blue Brothers. Think about that. Good freaking lord. You made this match worse somehow. I liked the FBI and WWE. Maybe it was just me, but I I don't know. I thought they I were always good. liked Nunzio. I thought he was real I thought he was a really underrated wrestler, I'll say that. What's his name yeah. again in ECW? You know, uh little, little Guido. Guido. Yeah. So they they got him, they got uh, Johnny Stamboli from the Mamalukes and WCW, and then they got Chuck Palumbo, which was like out of left field. <laughs> but, but I guess it's a step up from. Uh, remember in ECW they had like a black guy on there. Oh, uh, uh, JT which, Dunn, I think. Yeah, which, by the way, n- nothing wrong with black people could be Italian, but he clearly wasn't. Uh, so well, so was Tr- Tracy Smothers. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> and uh, Tommy Rich. You remember when they had the Italian flag with Tommy Rich's face on it? I do. Because that made yeah. sense. Right. Yeah. But but this match, man, I said I lost interest in this one as soon as the bell rang. <laughs> <laughs> I was in it for a second. Disco shows Vito off the top rope trying to cost him the match, but what he actually does, he propels him into a clothesline to one of the Harris brothers, and he pins him for the win. 
Disco is not pleased. Uncle Dave did not rate this one. I don't know if he went on a piss break or something during this match. I don't blame him. Uh, I gave it one and a half stars. What say you? I gave it a whole star. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Just one of my th- two of my things were number one, I know I heard the Mama Luke's theme somewhere. Can't figure it out. And uh, two, I don't know if you caught it. There were some very, very audible, boring chants. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, what did I say about losing interest as soon as the damn bell rang? <laughs> I didn't care about any of these guys. And this was another, you know, I'll tell you this. I, I wasn't going to care about anybody's match. I cared about Disco, and that was it. He was always one of my uh, what's uh, guilty pleasures. I don't know why. I always, always kind of liked him. He was so Same stupid, here. yet funny. And I don't know if people realize that the guy could wrestle, too. I'll argue that all day. He was not a bad yeah. wrestler. Uh, yeah. stu- oh, stupid as all hell, but it was he was good. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I I always thought he was cool. I always loved his disco dance entrance and all that cool stuff. Uh, I thought he was a cool TV champ for a, a minute. But yeah, so this one, I, this was another cranky Tony Schiavone moment, though, because they were like, you know, uh, Mike Tanay and mostly uh, Bobby Heenan were talking about, oh, I don't know which, which Harris brother this is, you know, one of them. And uh, Tony... When he's like, well, it's Ron in the ring, Don on the apron. He's like, well, how can you tell? He's like, you got to look at the tattoos. And, uh, and and Bobby Heenan was like, well, I've never thought to read a man's body before. And he's like, well, sometimes you got to. <laughs> uh, clever. Yeah. I forgot uh, how great their chemistry was, man. I know. Uh, the year 2000 wasn't the best example of that because Tony was cranky and Bobby was, he was trying to make the best of it. Like, I would give that to Bobby. No matter how bad the product was, he never buried it. So, oh, kudos to him. Oh, he didn't I'm, until WrestleMania 17. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but this was just, I mean, ugh. he tried to find silver linings and lied to us. The drizzling, yeah, we'll just leave that. Uh, we go backstage. Medusa is with Spice, yelling about how she's tired of her feud with Oklahoma, as are we. Speak for yourself. Why was Medusa with Spice? Just because? I don't remember. I know that Nitro Girls broke up and she went with her. Some crap like that. Yeah, random. We get the woman without the title, Medusa, is defending her cruiserweight title against Oklahoma. This goes for just shy of three minutes. I can't even make a two minutes too long joke because it just should never, never have happened. <sighs> Oklahoma my first, sold my first note for this, by the way, is Oklahoma's promo. <laughs> I said, oh you know, gosh. it's a good yeah. old sexism right before a man versus woman match. That's great. Yeah. For those that don't know, Oklahoma was Ed Ferrara impersonating Jim Ross and his singlet. He would come to the ring wearing black cowboy boots and a singlet with Oklahoma written in like the WWE scratch letters. And it had the red like swoosh below it. So you could tell, I mean, they made it, you know, they can't just like hit you with a little bit of subtlety. No, they got to slam it right in your face like you're a complete moron. And he carries barbecue sauce around with him because, um, And his way of humiliating people is dumping it on them. Yeah. Well, he comes to the ring and he cuts a promo to start the match about how men are better than women at everything and blah, blah, blah. Am I the only one I'm surprised he didn't do a whole you're getting paid 25% less than me thing for this match? Good lord. That would have been at least a little clever. 
but everything he said was I, just garbage. I feel, like, I feel like he hit every single cliche thing except for that. Yeah, stay in the kitchen and uh, you know, take care of your men and blah 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 and uh, just whatever. Now we get Medusa coming to the ring wearing her husband's football jersey. And she also wrestles barefoot now, apparently. I I am going to say she wrestled barefoot because in the year 2000, they wanted to see how, like, how much they could not have her wear. Yeah, right. Like, she wore tiny little, she, she wore a bikini bottom with, like, almost like a loincloth type look in the front and back that were, like, USA colors. She wore basically a bikini top that was USA colors and wrestled barefoot. So she was basically in a swimsuit the whole match. And the uh, the jersey, I can't, I didn't write down the name of who, who her husband was. But what's funny was they point out, like Mike Tanay was like, oh, that's her uh, her husband uh, who, you know, uh, plays for the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> and then Tony Schiavone was like, no, he used to play for the Bengals. Now he's with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's the jersey she's wearing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh. If Yeah, because if you're the babyface trying to get over with the Cincinnati crowd, wear the jersey for the guy who left you for another team. Like, my God. Well, when that's you like, the Bengals for another team? Well, I mean, that's... I mean, I have, I have on good authority that a lot of their guys, you know, have left the Bengals for the mean machine. But, you know, that's just a rumor. <laughs> well... You know, that, that'd be not a lot like of people showing up. That. See, they get arrested. Wow. Okay, anyways. <laughs> That's why they wear stripes. Uh, but, yeah, that, that'd be like showing up in Boston wearing a Tom Brady jersey for the Buccaneers. Like, hey, <laughs> why would you do that? And you're like, no, I'm the baby face. Come on now. <sighs> I mean, Whatever. they explained it on, on commentary, but for like, for like, you know, the avid fan who only kind of watches, they wouldn't <laughs> Ah, I get that reference. Uh, well, even then, it's just it's it. I get it. You're married to him, but it's still bad. Like the guy left the local team for another teams, and you know whatever. <sighs> but, but at least, anyways, I mean, I would know what a bad eye. By the way, she wore his his bangles one. Right. Yeah. But outside the ring, Oklahoma goes for a secret weapon, the barbecue sauce. But Asia runs down, and both her and Spice beat him up and roll him into the ring, and. And he gets a quick roll-up on Medusa and wins, because of course he does. And he's got to prove everything that he said in that sexist promo is true, right? Yeah. Because you can't just say it and not live up to it. Oh yeah, he's an untrained, overweight sack of crap, and he's going up against an in-shape, trained wrestler who's been doing this for years, but he still manages to roll her up and, and pin her. Like, what the hell, man? Uncle Dave gave this a dud. For the first time ever, I'm going negative. I gave it negative two stars, because this was embarrassingly, disgustingly awful. What say you? You're getting ahead of me, but uh, I gave it one star. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I mean, Uncle you'll, Dave you'll was... see what I mean in a second, but you're getting ahead of me. But yeah, Uncle Dave uh... was being generous by giving this a dud, I think. But yeah, the the next part is the women all hold Oklahoma outside the ring while Medusa opens up his singlet and pours barbecue sauce down inside and then smacks it and barbecue sauce goes everywhere. And then she whips him with a cruiserweight title. 
Yeah. <sighs> this is good stuff, man. This is like so freaking embarrassing, disgusting. Like everybody involved should be ashamed of themselves. Well, you I'm know, gonna give I'm gonna give Spice the pass because she wasn't a wrestler. So, but the rest, <laughs> I'm gonna give Medusa a pass because I assume she really needed a paycheck, and WWF wasn't calling at this point. I wasn't calling. So, you know what she did? I wouldn't call either. Yeah. Well, there you go. All right, but I'm gonna move on to something that's still embarrassing, but not quite. I I forgot to write down any notes about this because I just didn't care. Mean Gene Okerlund is backstage with the Hardcore Champion. Brian Knobs. Yeah. That's, That's all I got. See, you messaged me. See, now if you now if you would have watched it, like a good researcher would, you watched, you asked me, why did he, why, what was the thing with him and Fit Finley? He actually explains it in his promo. Oh, so, did he? Yes. Oh, I, I got to watch the product. Yeah, yeah. I must have drifted off at some point during this promo because I didn't catch that, but. But up next, Brian Knobs defends his WCW hardcore title against Screamin' Norman Smiley, Fit Finley, and Mang. It is not just a fatal four-way, they call it For the Hard Way. Yes, you get some points for originality. Just, why? This goes for 6 minutes 11 seconds. Uh, I'm just going to assume that Vince Russo loves it when someone repeatedly screams for no reason during a wrestling match. (laughs) <laughs> because we've got Daphne, and now we've got Smiley. I don't know which came first. The guy in the front row wearing a Y2J shirt is just a sad reminder of us to us of when WCW didn't suck. I said the match ends with Norman Smiley jumping off the top rope, only to be blasted in the face by Brian Knobs with a riot shield, allowing him to get the pin. I didn't mention Smiley comes to the ring dressed like a riot cop, with a shield and a nightstick, hold <laughs> So I, mean, I freaking love Norman Smiley, dude. <laughs> this was one of the things where it's like I could see the appeal, much like the twenty four seven title. It just wasn't my thing. I never <laughs> liked Norman Smiley. I never got it. <sighs> but Uncle Dave gave this one and three four stars. I gave it one star. What say you? I gave it two. I had I had the match was stupid, but I had fun watching it. The two people, like, Norman Smiley was an odd choice in here, but I guess it was his new gimmick and whatever. The well, two it was their answer to Crash like, Holly is what it was. Yeah. Literally their answer to Crash Holly. So. Of course. Well, the one that, the two that got me was like, not that I was a big fan of Meng, but I'm like, why is he doing hardcore matches? And then Fit Finley was really effing good. Why is he doing hardcore bullcrap? I Brian Knobs like over. I don't know. He's he's doing hardcore bullcrap, dressed like a Dudley Boy's reject. Up next, we get the second of the Triple Threat Theater. It's uh, Billy Kimmon versus Perry Saturn in a bunkhouse brawl. Uh, uh, this goes for ten minutes and five seconds. I said a table is introduced five minutes into the supposed bunkhouse brawl. Uh, I said this is not a horrible match by any means, but it's not a bunkhouse brawl. There it's was no not. bales of hay or anything, so I was kind of mad about that. There was, there was nothing, and don't get me wrong, I'm not crying that it wasn't a, a garbage match, but this, like, they slapped the name Bunkhouse Brawl on this for no reason whatsoever. Basically, basically oh, they well, did I mean, it for an excuse. Jeff Jarrett was feuding with Dustin, and, you know, he's like, I can do a Bunkhouse better than your dad could, but they kept the match on the card. 
So, I mean, there was a reason this right. match was hard. If it were me, I would either change it or tell them it's like, um, you know, actually do something to make it a bunkhouse brawl, you know, not just use it as an excuse for a table spot, I guess. But either way, when Perry Saturn goes for Powerbomb, Kidman turns it into his, his uh, face buster for the pinfall victory. Uncle Dave and I both gave this two stars. What say you? I gave it two as well. I really I actually liked it. Yeah, it was good. Uh, and I believe this, was this is Perry Saturn's last first... match. In... <laughs> so. Yep. Yeah, this was uh, this was the first of two of these where the stipulation means absolutely nothing in these matches. And we'll get to the second one uh, down the line. But we now go to footage of Stevie Ray going around the hood. Oh, but, God. That's, that's what they called it. So I'm just using it's called it the ghetto, the hood, whatever. But he's high-fiving strategically placed black men everywhere he goes. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm wondering... I mean, because, you know, they're, you know, they had to have, because they, because the next thing here, they, they keep asking, hey, where's Booker T? And he says, oh, he just doesn't come around no more. You know, so obviously they were told what to say, but I'm wondering, it's like, did they go around his actual neighborhood? It was like, oh, here's a group of black guys over here. Let's, let's go get them on camera and tell them what to say. Or did they like actually place them there and film them? The second part is my guess. One thing that I, I really wanted to point out. And I noticed this even when I was watching when I was a kid. Like, they're literally uh, feuding right now because Booker doesn't want to be poor anymore or want to hang around the poor neighborhoods. Yeah, he turns literally why they're, it's why they're feuding. Because he wanted something better for life. Man. What an want to go back to his old, Yeah, he didn't want to go back to his old we, crappy neighborhood. We can, bleep, we can bleep that. But it just made no sense yeah. to me. I'm like, you're, you're feuding. You're, you're, this whole thing is because he doesn't want to be in the ghetto. Your own words, Stevie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he says the but. Come on. No, I think he says ghetto, actually. Yeah, he does say ghetto. Yeah, yeah he does. Talk, yeah. They're talking about uh, the tent. And he goes, this is uh, not just a tent, this is someone's home. Which, okay, you know, it sucks. You know, it's not funny. But, like, they're feuding with him because he wanted a better life. That makes no sense to me. Yeah, well, if well, the thing is, he was like, well, he doesn't come back to visit or anything. It's like, does he have a reason to? I mean, like, he's like, well, this uh, is where and, we're from. And also, uh, if I was from a he, crap shows, he shows up in that crap neighborhood wearing a leather jacket and a gold Rolex, by the way. You want to point that out, too? I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if anybody remembers uh, years ago when this happened in your neck of the woods where uh, I think it was uh, – I want to say it was that rapper 2 Chains was walking around Oakland like yep. wearing you know all that crap. And he got held up and him and his whole entourage got robbed at gunpoint <laughs> because yep. he thought you know he could comfortably walk around the hood wearing that stuff. No! I don't care if your name is 2 Chains, and neither do they. They want your 2 Chains. <sighs> Right. Um, mean Gene Okerlund is now backstage interviewing Stevie Ray. Stevie basically said that he's going to put a whooping on Booker T. Booker T now comes to the ring saying that he has not forgotten where he came from, and he's going to prove himself to Stevie Ray tonight. Because he says, well, growing up, you always called me Junior. Well, tonight he's not Junior anymore. I'm Booker T. I pointed this out to you, and I was like, I know it's a gimmick, and it's just kind of funny, like, in retrospect, where he's like, I don't, or, I didn't forget where I came from. I come from 110th Street. And it's like, Actually, you come from Houston, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Are you telling me they don't have 110th Street in Houston? I mean, perhaps. So now we're on to the match here. It's Booker T with Midnight versus Stevie Effin Ray, which is his government name, by the way. Uh, this went yeah. for six and a half minutes. I don't remember Midnight at all, by the way. Was she there for, like, a heartbeat? She was, yeah. yeah. Basically just a... Uh... 
I think she was with Harlem Heat. By the way, you know, I like how they act like, oh, you turn your back on your brother. Like, this is a first time thing. This is literally the second of three times it's going to happen. Yeah, so. Stevie Ray turned his back on Booker for the NWO. Yeah, so. so it's like. But I said, Booker's out here looking like an extra from a Rick James video. Wow. <laughs> People what was gotta, with that stupid thing he was wearing, man? Yeah, it was like a like a tight red leather outfit and like it looks like what Nakamura wears now. Let's just say that. Yeah, and he's wearing like black gloves with it, so I don't know. But he sends Midnight to the back before the match officially starts. In the end, Booker T hits the bookend on Stevie before a pretty fat Ahmed Johnson in cowboy boots runs down to the ring and clotheslines. No, not 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 yet. They haven't said he's nameless. Uh, but he comes down, he clotheslines Booker T for the DQ. Uncle Dave gave this one-fourth of a star. <laughs> I gave it two stars. What say you? Two stars? I thought the match was okay, carried by Booker. Match sucks. <laughs> Barely wanted to give it I know, one. I know you hate Stevie Ray. <laughs> That's one of your guys. I just think he was never... He was the other guy, always. Well, yeah, he sucked. They kept trying to do stuff with him, so kudos to them, I They just think he was just blah. I mean... He botched a lot. If if people go back and watch, like, when he was in the ring, it was like, Booker was smooth, everything was good, then Stevie comes in, it was just like, dude, like, get your crap together, man. (sighs) But Midnight now runs down to see Booker getting double-teamed. Stevie Ray hits Booker with a slapjack. And then Ahmed hits the Pearl River Plunge. Ahmed tells Booker, I can't believe you turned your back on family for a piece of fish, referring to Midnight. I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone call a woman a piece of fish, so I, know. I don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> well, he then says he's going to deep fry her. So there's that. Uh, uh, Stevie then announces can that... We hold, can we hold the obvious jokes, please? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a deep fryer in butter with uh with some fries on the side, and some coleslaw. I was, oh, sorry, I'm thinking about my lunch. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, Stevie then announces that we're looking at the quote new and improved Harlem Heat. He, he is wrong, <laughs> by the way. No, he's not. He's only half wrong. That is a new Harlem Heat. Oh, okay, yeah, we are looking at the new Harlem Heat 2000, who, as you mentioned, is going to be Stevie Ray and Big T. And they're going to have Boyce Mason, too. As their, or I don't know what the hell his name was in WCW, but... Yeah, I don't remember. He was a lawyer, yeah, and they fought yeah. over the letter T. Yeah, I don't know. This was just... Feuding over the letter T just always got me. It's like, is this yeah, a and Sesame then, And then Street Mr. Feud? got involved, and it was a huge legal thing. Man, she was horrible. Oh, my gosh. These uh, are all WWE Hall of Famers, by the way, folks. Except for Big T. <laughs> He's... I can't see them ever inducting Ahmed Johnson unless they just completely tap that well dry. Well, Coco Beware got in. Yeah, that is true. Gene Okerlund is backstage with a confused-looking Sid Vicious. Uh, I know, I was kind of an oxymoron. I could have left out confused-looking, but... (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? Did you you notice that? Like, he's talking to him, like... It's almost like he just asked him, what is the meaning of life? And Sid's looking (laughs) off like... I'm scared, and I don't know what's going on. That episode but of he Friends claims- where Joey was talking about, like, when he's got to remember his lines, 
you know, yeah. just try to divide 640 by 32. What? I, <laughs> that's what I got a flashback to. And then I'm like, it knows we're live, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I want it. I wanted Sid, so like, like after one of his. This. <laughs> I wanted to use another uh, friend's line with this, like you know, because Mean Gene was was about to hit his "I don't give an f" stage in WCW. I wanted Sid to just say something off the wall and stupid, and, and Mean Gene's just like in your ears with a Q-tip, and you feel resistance. Stop. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> but Sid claims that Bret Hart and the NWO have done everything they can to tarnish the WCW title. That's not over yet. Job well done. <laughs> yeah, so there's that. Uh, uh, speaking of tarnishing things, we get Tank Abbott versus Jerry Flynn up next in a <sighs> shoot fight match. This went just over one and a half minutes. My, my God. And uh, it sucks. Look, when Flynn. Look, first of all, if this was a legit fight, I'm not even joking, I would probably take Jerry Flynn. I don't know if people realize yeah. this, but Tank Abbott sucked. Not to speak ill of the dead, but he reminds me of Kimbo Slice. What are you talking about, Greg? According to Mike today, he was the hardest hitting man in all of Ultimate Fighting. Good lord. <laughs> that was a really shallow pool at that end. Uh, <laughs> Good lord. Uh, one thing, I remember Dana White saying this about Kimbo and just rings true here. It's like, Tank Abbott will always be the toughest guy at the barbecue. But that's it. Holy hell. But the crap. Yeah, I don't see them making any documentaries about Tank Abbott fighting in backyards. But anyway, when Flynn is on all fours, Abbott punches him in the back of the head, knocking him out for the 10 and winning. Uncle Dave and I both gave this one star and we're dignifying it by giving it that. What say you? Do you remember what you said about Oklahoma and Medusa and the rating? Yeah. yeah. I told you you were getting ahead of me. That was for this. I'm not even going to count this as a match, so I didn't even give it a rating. Because I feel like it, I feel like, I feel like the bell never even rang. <laughs> I just yeah, it was over in a, in a hiccup. Uh, so, well, yeah. did this uh, at, at this time? Because I know, well, this was two thousand. So was this before or after the Fertitas bought UFC? This was way before. Okay, when they bought when it, did they buy it? I think I want to say two thousand two. Okay, so. UFC was still, I assume, a freak show at this point. It was, yes. So, was the punching in the back of the head when they're when a guy's down? Is that legal? Mm, yeah, I think so because ball shots were legal. Can I say ball shots? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Get diggity. <laughs> well, there's actually a clip, yeah. uh, like, like of highlights of old school UFC. Like, literally, it's a, it's like they aired on UFC TV as a joke to what it was, and you can literally see the guy. On the mat, the other guy just punching away, at, you know, there, <laughs> and he's just like pounding on it, <laughs> like just like, like hammer fisting it. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I can see that it being worked in as part of like a training regimen. It's like, all right, take him I, double leg, punch right? him in the dick. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, at this point, I think they're just showing it to what kind of a freak show it was back then. But I think the only other thing that was illegal was fish hooking. Uh uh, we now get footage to build up of a real match that's going to be on the card. It's DDP versus Buff Bagwell, where the entire feud is over whether or not Buff Bagwell was sleeping with Kimberly Page, which I did. You could just totally... take the woman's word for it, right? You're right. I don't understand this feud because 
Kimberly denies it, Buff denies it, and DDP also says, ah, I, kn I know it's not true. However, Buff, you suck, and I hate you. <laughs> it's like, nothing happened. Why is this a feud? Like, like all oh, three of you were... It off when, when he's like, uh, yeah, and it's in the package, something about, like, seeing her birthmarks, and they weren't talking oh, about birthmarks, yeah. and, and then um, Buff's like, well, I've seen them, all the boys in the back seen them. That's when it really got heated. <laughs> I mean, in his defense, I think at that point she had posed nude multiple yeah, times. Right. So, and I remember, I, like, I remember hearing that. I think is that what they're going to go with? Because it makes sense. I'm like, yeah. I mean, the fact right. that all the boys in the back, though, not everybody. You know, he kind of made it sound like she was like sleeping around. So yeah, yeah right. Or you know, back in where you could get away with an insult like this, where DDP says that sure, all the women love Buff, and so do the guys. Yeah, so do the like, guys. Whoa. <laughs> That was such a 2000. Let me tell you a little insult. story about 2020. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, whoa, can't say that on TV. Uh, all right. Anyway, we get to DDP. Although he didn't versus... say anything bad when you think about it. I mean, no, I mean, he's actually insulting every guy, not buff. If you really think about it. Yeah. Is that an insult? Yeah, he's not saying buff likes the, the men. He's saying the men like buff. So, so if anything, he's complimenting them, right? I mean, yeah, like, why? Well, hey. like, you're so damn good looking, even guys like you. I mean, that's, yeah, that's all I'm looking at it. <laughs> but anyway, this was a last man standing match between DDP and Buff Bagwell. Went for 11 minutes. I said this was actually better than I expected. Not because of, and neither one of these guys sucked, like I said. I just, I wasn't a guy who ever watched a Buff Bagwell match and was astounded by, you know, anything he did. Right, but on the other coin, on the other side of the coin, I did do that with DDP a lot, so. Oh, yeah, he was amazing. Uh, but they end up fighting up to where the WCW.com area was, which was, like, right by the stage. So, <laughs> an odd area for it, but... Hold on, real quick, sorry, not to cut you off. Did you notice all night during every entrance, you kept seeing, like, the stagehand and that blonde lady cross in front of the entrance by it every time someone was coming out? Yeah. That was one thing I completely forgot to mark down. It just came to me. It's like, all night, every entrance. You couldn't tell them, hey, stay the hell out of the way of the camera for like 10 seconds. I didn't really it was notice annoying. it. I didn't really notice it until DDP's entrance because I was like, does he have an escort? And, I'm, and then she like stops halfway down the aisle yeah. round. I'm like, what? what? I want to say Bruce Pritchard also said there was a huge problem with that at SummerSlam 98 because of the way the entrance was. It was like a uh, small entrance yeah, at the, at the garden. It. Yeah. Well, well, and the bad part was the way the hard cam was at the garden, the hard cam was pointed towards the entrance. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, right. So you could see stagehands walking up and down the, the ramp all night. And yeah, it was distracting. But uh, either way, the, they beat each other up with, at this point, ancient computer <laughs> parts, like gigantic monitors and old keyboards and stuff. I like how, by the way, every uh, it just goes to show how like, just like small changes and things like almost all computers now are like all black whereas back then everything was like that grayish white yeah <laughs> so uh but buff uses a was that a baton he pulled out of his boot i couldn't tell what it was uh, they called it a police baton yes okay yeah it was like a small a small baton he pulled out of his boot and he beats ddp with it and then ddp hits a diamond cutter and then kimberly comes out and buff Somehow beats DDP to his feet. I was there something that I missed between Kimberly coming out and DDP or uh, Buff standing up or no? But they do 
clearly say, I think he blocked the diamond cutter by holding on to the top rope. They, they make sure to say that. Okie dokie. And well, he did, though, if you go back and watch. No, he yeah, didn't. no, he hit it flush. <laughs> <I was laughs> like, that's why I was like, dude, he just buried the diamond cutter. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, anyway, that's the end of the match. Buff Bagwell wins. Uncle Dave gave this three and one-fourth star. I didn't think it was that damn good. I gave it two and a half for you know, oh, about average. Oh. What say you? I actually agree with Uncle Dave. I gave it three stars, too. I really loved this match. I thought it was the best one of the night. Uh, yeah, I will... <laughs> What was that we were saying about, so, well, we could say they stole the knife, but, you know, it's petty theft. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, and there were other decent matches on the card, but, yeah, this was this was definitely really good. Uh, but after the match, Buff is distracted by Kimberly, allowing DDP to hit Buff with a baton from behind and beat him down, because apparently Buff is an idiot. Uh, DDP and Kimberly leave together. Mm, no. Spoiler, the turn's coming, I believe, the next night. I don't know if it's really a turn. Siding with your husband is not turning, right? But uh, <laughs> Right. So. And then she would turn on DDP later this year. So, yeah, there's that. And, yeah, and her and Miss Elizabeth are hanging out with Eric Bischoff, making, basically making it seem like they're both sleeping with him. <laughs> well, he's got the hair. I mean. Oh, yeah, the most beautiful. Even Gray, he had the most beautiful head of hair in the entire wrestling business. The only man to come close would be Charles Robbins. By Bischoff's own words. Right. Uh, after Billy Kidman comes out for the next match, Shane Douglas comes out in street clothes. Was there a reason he wasn't wrestling? Like, was he hurt or... I believe he had a cast on his hand. Yeah. Oh, I didn't... Well, it was all, it was really dark, and I, like, because they kept, oh, like... it was dark. Wow. They kept, like, the... Because the revolution came out, like, they would drop the lights and have, like, dark blue and red lights going around, so... I couldn't really tell. I just could tell he was wearing kind of... Him and Perry Saturn both shopped at, like, the worst clothing store of all time for their yeah, shirts. The Rocks, the Rocks knockoff store. Right. Uh, Jerry yeah, Lawler's By the way, man, he, you could tell Shane uh, Douglas wanted to be The Rock so bad. Yeah, probably. Just tell. Yeah. But, yeah, he comes out in street clothes. He says that the revolution has got a big surprise for Kidman. And it turns out to be... The wall, brother, was okay. Is there something because you were talking about you had notes for this promo? What did what notes did you have? Well, he basically calls the people of Cincinnati welfare people and white trash and oh yeah, listen all that and what was I tying that into? Oh yeah, something vulgar happened earlier. Was like, what was well, it? yeah. I see. I didn't bat an eye at that because that's just Shane Douglas's usual shtick. So I was like, yeah, whatever. He's always out there. Ah. Uh, I'm just surprised. It would have worked still... a pro Pittsburgh thing in there. I thought that would have worked, but you know, I know. Like that's the one. It's like, hey, dude, you cruised right on past that. <laughs> we get Billy Kidman versus the Wall in. Was this caged heat? No, it was just a cage. It was clearly them ripping off Hell in a Cell. Oh yeah, because the cage it, it was a hell a a cell yeah. match. That's that's why I was like, is this? I couldn't remember if this was caged heat or what. Uh, I, do, I, do, I do like that Tony Schiavone's like, well, the way it's built, you could grab onto the top of it and 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 drop down. <laughs> I was like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think what to say. Um, you could climb the top and drop down. Like, yeah, that's something. Yeah, I guess so. Like, I think it was too tall for even that. Like, even if uh, even if Billy Kidman was standing on the top rope, yeah, it was about the height of the current Hellenist. Uh, maybe. 
maybe on the wall shoulders. Uh, right. I think they yeah. learned their lesson from short cages, though, with Sid and Brian Pillman and Sid from War Games. So that's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, WWE still kept the short one for a while because I remember Brock hanging off of the ceiling and like basically monkey barring it <laughs> over yeah, to kick right. the Undertaker. But this one is a cage match, basically a Hell in a Cell match. They went for five minutes and three seconds. Okay? Keep that in mind. I said there was literally zero reason for this match to be in a cage. They stayed in the ring almost a whole damn match, and the cage never comes into play. It all ended with Kidman coming off the top and getting caught with a choke slam, allowing the wall to win, so Kidman can't do the trifecta. Uncle Dave gave this three-fourths of a star. I gave it one and a half stars. What say you? I gave it two. I don't think it was that bad. I loved the finish, by the way. He straight up caught Kidman. Like, not even hesitant. Yeah. Like, not even, didn't even wobble. He caught him. It's like, man, that was crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, good. Uh, I clearly, uh, and then earlier I said this too, it was like, you know, like the most random opponent. It was random, but clearly, go back and watch 2000. They had huge plans for the wall, just never came to fruition. Because he was like a yeah, major thing did. in 2000. What was yeah, his name he again? MIA. Help. Uh, Razor. No, I had another name at first. I forget. Oh, uh, they they had plans. Yeah. Like, obviously, big plans for him. Knew it didn't go anywhere. But I know in MIA he was Sergeant A Wall. Yeah, I I don't know. I just I feel like um he was better than people give him credit for. In my yeah, yeah. He, I don't think he, he sucks. Go back and watch those actual matches. He's not bad. Oh, he was malice, by the way. Malice. Yeah. Okay. I was going to yeah, say manic, so. but that's what's going on now. <laughs> right. Yeah, he was Sergeant AWOL and The Wall, Hellraiser, Malice, yeah, all that stuff. So, I don't know, man. He didn't really do a whole lot. Uh, you know, I mean, they like you said, they had plans be, for him. To be real fair, he came in really late, too. So, could have got maybe a little bit more out of him. But he came in in late 99, I believe, with Berlin. Yeah, hell of a way to come in. <laughs> yeah. It took me like six years to realize why the wall with Berlin made sense. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Clearly, I paid attention in with... uh, social studies in high school, huh? <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know. I felt like the big man, little man thing could have been better if they would have utilized the cage. But the, they, they also handicapped them by giving them five effing minutes. So, yeah, that part I didn't get. Yeah, cell match five minutes. Like the like, wall basically I, told uh, he basically told change like I'm gonna kill him right, you know, cripple him or something like that. And yeah. he gets beat up all match. Well, not beat all match, but like gets beat up and then finishes him with one move. Doesn't do it two yeah. or three times. Just does it once. Leaves. That's the part that got me. Like wow. Yeah, barely escapes with a win. Yeah, yeah. right. All right, well, this next one, the rules for Kevin Nash versus Terry Funk are that if Funk wins, he remains the WCW commissioner, and the NWO has to disband. However, if Nash wins, he becomes the new WCW commissioner. Before we so, even start, I need to point out, Bret Hart's out with an injury. He's unfortunately never to come back. Jeff Jarrett's out with an injury. Scott Hall's MIA. That is the NWO. <laughs> so, what's breaking up? <laughs> Yeah, and don't they disband, like, shortly thereafter anyway? Uh, so. Kind of. 
I mean, like officially. Yeah. I don't know. This was <sighs> Terry Funk just doing stuff in 2000 was uh, a sight to behold, man. But but here's a note I had for this one. Before signing with WCW, Terry Funk had committed to working an indie show earlier that same day, but he planned to fly back and be at the pay-per-view just in time. But there were problems with his flight, and he almost didn't make it in time, leading to more panic backstage. At Mother point, of God. Been, at that point, shouldn't they just been numb to all everything? <laughs> yeah, it's like, ah, what else can go wrong? It's that, it's that uh, you know, that old uh, saying is like, what, what can go wrong will go wrong. That was WCW 99 and 2000. And 01, yeah, for that matter. We're losing Jarrett. We're losing Hart. But God, we can't lose Funk. Right. <sighs> but, yeah, so this one is Kevin Nash versus Terry Funk. Hardcore match for the position of WCW Commissioner. They had like 5,000 authority figures with different names in WCW. This went basically eight minutes. Nash jumps Funk in the aisle before the match even starts while someone in the crowd shouts, Bust his ass! Bust his ass! I think at this point... Did you hear like that? Very, I think at this point the whole crowd was like very drunk and tired of the show. Yeah, I did hear that. <laughs> Wouldn't you be... <laughs> That reminds me. Of when I, I mean, when you buy tickets to this show willingly, you have no right to really complain. You you came. <laughs> you right. chose. When Nash takes a chair to Funk, Terry Funk shouts f bombs into the camera. Yeah, uh, I actually, I actually kept having a look. I thought my network was cutting out. Yeah, like nah, he was shouting. I don't remember them editing it when I was watching it live. Well, they didn't edit from when I watched it because I. I, I was hearing him clear as day shouting F-bombs. I'm like, uh... Yeah, there were a they couple that they, they dropped, but then there's some you can clearly hear that they cut out. So he does it multiple times. Right? Uh, Nash then jackknives Terry Funk through the announce table. This knocks out everybody's headset except for Tony Schiavone's, because of course it doesn't knock his out. Uh, according to Bobby Heenan, his got knocked out because a piece of wood went flying and snapped his headset. Yeah, so, go back and watch it. You can see it. Uh, they, actually yeah, show, gotta, they actually show it on replay, too. Nice. Uh, Nash gets in the ring and he gets on the mic. He tells Funk, he says, if you climb in the ring and keep your commissioner job. And Funk crawls back in while bleeding now. And Nash says, I'm a lion son of a you know what. I, I don't feel like bleeping it out. But anyway, uh, before, before he starts beating him up again, the crowd actually boos Terry Funk making a short comeback, which, you know, further fuels your they're all drunk uh, yep. argument here. Uh, Nash finally jackknife power bombs Terry Funk onto. He set up two chairs and he put a chair across them like a chair table. And he power bombed him through that for the win. For some ungodly unknown reason, Uncle Dave gave us two and a half stars. I gave it one star because it was a, a one sided ass whooping. You. I gave it one star. My only note was it was fun if you like seeing an old man get his ass beat. Him. Embarrassed Terry Funk through this whole match. Funk had one short flurry, very, very short, and that was it. That was, and I think that's because he low blowed Nash. So, just what the hell, man? Nash was clearly still on that booking committee at this point. <laughs> like, uh, what are we gonna do? He's like, oh, I'm gonna destroy Terry Funk. Oh, uh, well, we're gonna have a hardcore match. Yeah, I'm gonna kill him. Thanks. We haven't done that before. Well. After footage of Chris Benoit doing Hindu squats, and Sid to talking to 
Hindu squats? Uh, no. Uh, no. <laughs> but, but, uh, and Sid talking to himself, and he's punching his own chest. We now go to Scott Hudson standing by with Arn Anderson, who's holding the WCW World title. Anderson will be the referee for the main event. Sad fact, that's the only time uh, he ever held that title. Gosh, I know. Did Ric Flair ever let him hold it? Hell no. Uh, Maybe JJ, that was it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Arn's hands were usually full with, like, the tag title or the TV title or both, so... Uh, but we get the rare flub from Arn Anderson calling Kevin Nash Kevin Mann and then having to regroup and start his promo over. I've never uh, flubbed I, my words. <laughs> like, I'm glad he... Like... Yeah, I'm, I, I'm glad he, like... It, it, it kind of added more realism to it, and it's like he pointed that out, and it's because I was like, wow, Arn Anderson messed up with a promo. Like, I was, I, I was honestly shocked, because he's, like, one of the most underrated promos, I think, in the history of wrestling. People don't give him enough credit for this, for what he brought to the, I mean, cause after you go after Ric Flair or before Ric Flair, you know, I mean, you're never going to get the attention, but he was damn good. I love that Arn Anderson needs to pump up the main event, by the way, but he said that Sid and Benoit were possibly the two greatest that WCW has ever had. I got, I almost hurt my head from rolling my eyes so hard at that. Like, Benoit is like not such an embarrassing statement there but Sid and you and I before anybody says anything if you haven't listened to the archives Greg and I have pointed out we are huge Sid fans but no <laughs> just not even not even anywhere close to the conversation I did say who the hell told this cameraman to constantly be moving around during an interview like yeah, it was making right? me sick that was like, a new one for God me dang. yeah uh, they've done this in WWE, but nowhere near this bad. I was like, holy crap, I'm getting seasick. But before we get to the main event, we'll take our break. When we come back, it is the world title match and the fallout therefrom. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand-assembled in the USA, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you, ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. Enjoy. Thanks. E, order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, main event time. It is for the vacant WCW World's Heavyweight title, special guest referee Arn Anderson. It is Chris Benoit versus Sid Vicious. It went just shy of 15 minutes. And I got a little confused because when the bell rang, there was 20 minutes of time left on the pay-per-view. 
And I'm like, wow, Sid Vicious is going to wrestle for 20 minutes? Nope. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was wrong. Uh, uh, but in the first minute of the match, Perry Saturn and David Flair come out onto the stage. So keep in mind, I've never seen this match before. I knew how, like, I knew part of the end, but I was like, did they get involved? But then the rest of the locker room just unloads and watches the match from the stage. Uh, Sid's breathing throughout this match made it seem like he was going to keel over at any time. Did you notice this? I did. He was breathing so freaking loud. I'm like, are you okay? <laughs> but, <Fine>. uh, <laughs> Sid Vicious throws Benoit off of a cover after Benoit hits a flying headbutt. And then he choke slams Benoit for a two, uh, after Benoit puts his foot under the ropes. But as soon as they stand up, Benoit locks in the crippled crossface right away, and Sid taps almost instantly. But he has his foot under the bottom rope. No one sees it. Nobody points it out. It'll come into play later. Oh, they do uh, point it out. Tony Shimani clearly oh. says it. He goes, the foot was oh, under the rope, yeah. but I think he already tapped out. Yeah. Yeah, they mentioned that in the replays, don't they, when they kept showing it? Yeah. And he was like, oh, I think, yeah. But, uh... Uncle Dave gave this two and three-fourth stars. I gave it two and a half stars. I thought it was an average match, especially for Benoit. But what say you? I gave it two. wasn't great. I was like, I like the last man standing more. I didn't think I would. Yeah. This one, I was really shocked. I was like, they had to have told him, it's like, quick, you guys got to go home now. (laughs) Because as soon as they stand up, he locks in the crossface and then just instantly freaking taps. Like, no time. He hits the mat, cranks it, tap, tap, tap. And I'm like, wow, I figured they would have, you know, Sid would have battled more. But like I said, they must have told us, like, quick, we got to go home. We got crap to do backstage. (laughs) Of which, after all this, Mean Gene Oakland is backstage with Chris Benoit, playing him up big time. Uh, And I think this was one of the best promos Benoit has ever cut. Uh, He says that ever since he saw the Dynamite Kid wrestle, he wanted to be a pro wrestler. He says that it doesn't matter how small he is, but what he's got, and now he's the world champion. Narn Anderson comes up to congratulate him, and Kevin Nash bursts in, and he said to enjoy the title for about another hour, because at the stroke of midnight, Nash takes over, and that belt belongs to the NWO. He ends it by saying, sorry to put a little turd in your punch bowl. And Benoit says, from the little turd to the big turd, best of luck. Yeah. <laughs> a hell of a way to end a pay-per-view, man. Uh, but yeah so that was that that was the end of the show we are taking our final break now Uh, when we come back it's the final ratings for the show what we thought of it overall and what happened uh, the next night because a lot happened we'll be right back Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks Pod, on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks, and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks, and at Main Event Collector. Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Uh, been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. 
There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we're back. Uh, the fallout of the show here. Real quick, before Nitro the next day, Bill Bush once again met with the wrestlers who still wanted it out and proposed a compromise, saying that he wasn't going to fire Sullivan, but he would make him booker only of the Saturday night show so that none of the Nitro stars would ever have to deal with him. That seemed to satisfy everyone, but later that day, Bush called them all again and said that they were all uh, being sent home as punishment for their attempted mutiny, except for Benoit, since he was the champion, and they had to build a show around it. But... Benoit balked at that and said that if his friends were being sent home, he was leaving too. So Bush threatened to strip him of the title. Benoit didn't care and said that he was sticking with his friends regardless. Hung around until the company got them plane tickets home, and then Benoit handed the belt to Nick Patrick, and they all walked out. On Nitro that night, they were careful not to bury Benoit on commentary, but they did show footage of Sid's foot under the rope in order to negate his title win as of now, the WCW title is still vacant. <sighs> My God, this is just like <sighs> I had all I had heard rumors, and like nobody can say for sure that this is what it was, but I'm sure you've heard all this too that they put the belt on Benoit, hoping to entice him to stick around. I, I had you heard that? No, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, because they were like, well. Because, uh, you know, his whole thing was, well, I don't want to be booked by Kevin Sullivan, and, and I want to leave. And they're like, well, uh, Kevin Sullivan booked him to, to win the title because he's like, well, maybe I can, you know, make him feel better about me being Booker if I make him champion. But he still didn't want to stay there. And it was shortly after this, like, wh when did they pop up in the WWF? Eight days later. No, oh, there you go. Yeah. Bruce Pritchard said they called him wanting a job, and he said... Fax me proof that you can that we can talk and we'll talk. And I guess they fax it to him right away and he talked to him. But of all the people, I mean, like Conan and Billy Kidman, Rey Mysterio, they all stuck around. If you believe the stories, I guess they all said, "Oh yeah, we're sticking." They said, "Oh, Shane Douglas is with us, whatever." But then when they talked to Bruce Pritchard, they never once made because he said Shane's name was never brought up. So apparently, Shane thought he was with them. But they never <laughs> included yeah. Shane. If that is true, that sucks, man. And I think Conrad asked me, he was like, would you have negotiated with Shane? And I think he was like, uh, we would have talked to him. We didn't really want him, but we would have talked to him. Like, ugh, that's sad. Yeah, probably. But the final ratings of the show here, IMDB gave this 5.3 out of 10 net gave it 3.63 out of 10. I gave it a 6 out of 10 because I thought it was one of the more entertaining shows of this year. Let's say you. Solid C+. Are you rating it that way because you're rating on the WCW 2000 scale or just the <laughs> overall? You're like, just overall. it was good. Okay. It, it wasn't anything to uh, wasn't write the, home about. It wasn't the worst thing we've ever revealed. I'll say that. Oh hell no, no. We've uh, we've reviewed some crappity crap crap. I'll say that. Yeah, man, that was WCW sold out from uh, the year two thousand. 
And sticking with that, next week for our show on January 20th, Royal Rumble 2000, we're going to see the effort from WWF. Uh, Spoiler, uh, it's then 10,000 times better. Not to get ahead. Yeah. So WWF's biggest, or one of WWF's biggest shows of the year, uh, you know, up against Sold Out. And not only was it just sold out, but it was sold out that had been repeatedly shot in the foot before it ever made air. So if anything could possibly go right for WCW, it never did. (laughs) But that is our effort next week, or our show next week, rather. Uh, We are also bringing you a bonus show next week. Throw us a freaking bonus here. The show will be on that Friday, uh, two days later. We will bring you WWF Royal Rumble 1988, which is the first ever Royal Rumble. You're going to get your fill of Royal Rumble next week. Uh, That one will actually, I'll have Jacob Grandi from Curtain Jerkin on the show again. So that should be fun. Uh, He hasn't been on the show since November when we reviewed the first ever uh, Survivor Series. So thank you for joining me here today on the show, Greg. Mm Mm-hmm. And we will catch you all next week with Royal Rumble 2000. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the Hydration Watermelon Smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives so you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. At Total Wine & More, we know what pairs perfectly with summer. Go ahead, test us. What goes best with a beach trip? This crisp rosé. A pool party? Try these craft beers. Oh, you're good. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine & More. Listen, if you're still living with bladder accidents, stop. It's time to get your life back. I was just like you until I found real relief with Axonix Therapy. It's not a pill or a pad. It's a clinically proven advanced treatment. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com.